Hello and welcome to Football on the 40. It's week one of the college football season and the wait is officially over. It has been just shy of 250 days since the Longhorns took the field at the Alamo Bowl, but we're ready, we're hyped, and dare I say, we're back. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Jake Robinson. Joining me are my co-hosts, Andrew Harris, Bowen Kine, Kevin Mathis. Football on the 40 is produced by Hamilton Lizer. Coming up, we will preview this game uh, for this upcoming weekend against the Rice Owls, take a trip into the betting corner, and we have some listener questions to answer from the mailbag. But first, Bowen is back, and he's a dad. Give us an update, Bo. Thanks, Jake. Yep, yep. Glad to be back, fellas. I missed y'all. Missed y'all week week zero. Um, but listen to the pod. Another another classic as always. Um, but yeah, doing well. Last week's recording was our day one back from the hospital, so that was that was going to be a no go for me. Um, and 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 the mama and and the kiddo. But we're all doing well. Settled into our routine this week, and my mom's been living with us and helping doing doing everything. So. Yeah, baby's doing well, sleeping well, eating well, and my days just consist of doing Texas football research and then looking at learning about breastfeeding and optimizing diaper leakage. So, yeah, can't complain. It's been it's been super rewarding and it's been a ton of fun for sure. Bo, welcome to the club. It's it's an honor to have you officially now, and uh, yeah, you're already a great dad, but. Just excited for the journey that's ahead of you with your little boy. So, um, I don't know. Kudos, kudos to you and Emily. Yeah, we're we're excited for y'all. And also, though, you uh, almost joined last week, so you almost tried to make that first day homework. (laughs) That's true. I did. did. I did. I was very optimistic, (laughs) but um, yeah, that was that was gonna be a no go. Late scratch. It was right. Before before we get into it, just we just need it, your words, Bowen. Um, we shared your game predictions in the last episode, but just give us your broad view of the Texas football season. What is your hype level before we get into the details of this Ooh. week? Oh man, I mean, I think we said it like last lot into last year and some of the preview previews that we've we talked about, like. This is the year, right? Like if 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 all our marbles aren't in this basket, then then we're 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 toast. I don't really know what we're gonna do. Um, but yeah, uh, so I'm 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 cautiously optimistic, but that de- the hype is definitely real. I think I think we have a a really good chance to make a make a solid run this year. So I'm I'm definitely definitely stoked to see how we'll do. That's awesome. Well, I think we're all right there with you. So glad to have you back. All right, we're going to move into our first segment of the week, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the rule changes in college football this season. Uh, In case you missed the games last week, there are three new rules changes in NCAA football this season, specifically designed to make the games last a little bit quicker. Um, I'm going to actually turn it over to um, Andrew, Go ahead and give us the rule changes, and then maybe we can discuss them a little bit, see if we like them, if we don't, and go from there. Yeah, so um, I'll try to run through them real quick. Um, the So I think the biggest one, in my opinion, is uh, the game clock will run after first downs, just like the NFL. Uh, so there's not a like a stop in time. That's usually, what, five, ten seconds. 
for everything to get set up. Um, so um, if a team gets a first down, the clock will keep on running. Um, and that hasn't been the rule in college football for like 50 years, I think. So um, that's a pretty significant one. Um, a team cannot call consecutive timeouts. Um, Jake, is that the case for like icing the kicker in the fourth quarter too? Or Yes, that's the whole point. And it's a tremendous rule change in my opinion. <laughs> See, yeah. I don't even think coaches really iced kickers correctly um, in the past, but I mean, that's neither here nor there now, but yeah, that's if, it. That's it. That's a big one too. So if the offense calls a timeout and then the defense calls a timeout, then the offense could call another timeout, but it, they, you can't call two in a row. Um, yeah. You can't. Okay. Let it, I'll, I'll let you say the last one, uh, the last rule change, Jake. Yeah, the, the last one is, so if you end the any quarter currently with a penalty, you have an untimed down. So they changed it. So for the first and third quarters, since it doesn't really matter if the time, if the down is untimed or if it's the first play of the next quarter, uh, that will no longer happen. This is very rare. This maybe saves like a few plays in the entire season of all the teams combined. So this one's pretty minor, but basically if you have a, a penalty when the first quarter ends, instead of having an untimed down, it just, you just start the second quarter with the penalty. I don't know. And um, just kind of seeing the implications of that this weekend. Um, so there was 10 division one FBS, whatever um, college football games this weekend. Uh, none of them were that significant, so we're not going to really break them down. But the big implication of it was the unders um, from a betting perspective went seven and three this weekend with the new clock rules, um, which for college football's sake, I feel like overs was a more popular play. Um, I could be wrong. Jake Bowen, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like over people were tend to choose the overs with college football more often than unders. So something to keep in mind and going into the future with bets. Yeah, I think the I think the clock the the last two minutes rule only only stopping for the last two minutes cut cut a significant amount of plays off the per game average. Um, I, I do think that that's I, I don't like that change. I, I liked the the clock stops on the first down. That's not my favorite. Um, you can have a team that's really far behind kind of have a little more momentum to come back when they have more than just two minutes and extra clock stops. But I do like the timeouts change. I don't know. What do yeah. you think, Bo? I don't know. I, I'm kind of a fan of the new change. I, I think the lines will um they'll correct themselves. I already saw like this week, like they're they're much lower than they were last season, just aggregate wise, like even for our games. So the, they'll they'll correct themselves. Um, but I, I, I kind of feel like the, I, I kind of see this rule change as like a, a heat stroke Bo's heat stroke prevention <laughs> strategy. So I think like I think like shorter time in the baking sun in under DKR, um, that's gonna be a win in my book. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's honestly what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> we 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 love four hour games. <laughs> no, I think it will cut it down quite a bit. Yeah. Cool. All righty, we're gonna switch up gears now, and uh, this happened, I think, a couple weeks ago, but CDC Crystal Conte. Uh, he just signed a new seven-year contract. Um, 
with the university. So he's going to be our AD for a little bit um, for the next uh, seven years until 2030, which is exciting. He's done a lot of great things. And uh, just want to ask the guys, what are what is y'all's favorite things uh, that he's done in Texas since uh, he joined, I think, in 2018? Kev, take it away. I was thinking about this, and I would say it's the facilities improvements. Um, Texas has always been kind of at the forefront there, but needed improvement in the last decade or so. And CDC has led some creative uh, fundraising schemes, especially for the Moody Center, um, making that kind of like a private-public partnership. I think that might have been a first-of-its-kind kind of deal. And the stadium, from what I've heard, is, is amazing. Also, the south end zone um, looks amazing. We've seen that during a lot of home games and enjoy some of the amenities there. There's another project coming down the pipeline to improve the, the football practice, practice facilities. I think that part of this plan, they're going to get rid of the bubble, which has been a mainstay in Austin for probably 25 years. But um, for the athletic department and, and major sports, for sure, I think he's made some big improvements in facilities. What do you guys think? Man, the bubble is going to go away. I remember I, I went to Mac Brown football camp in that bubble. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I did. It was the year yeah. we won the national championship, too. It's 2005. Maybe um, we go back, go back and do it again so we can win another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we went the summer after we won. So I guess it was 2006. But or yeah, it would have been 2006. Anyway, um, you know, my biggest thing, and, and so I looked it up, Crystal Conti's contract raise, his new contract will be worth $19.3 million through 2030. So through seven years, he'll be getting getting some some good dough. Um, and he deserves every penny of it, in my opinion. The biggest thing that I would say is fan experience surrounding football games, especially. Um, you know, I was, I was a little hesitant as a big weather fan when he got rid of Scott Fisher and Scott Fisher's <laughs> weather reports. But uh, that was a good <laughs> that was a good decision. Um, you know, the whole game day atmosphere is better. Bevo Boulevard thought that might be a little gimmicky. It isn't. You know, everybody loves um, happy hour priced beers. Uh, the pregame concerts this Saturday, Pat Green is playing for free, so that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, he's he's just been very very creative, also very responsive to fan requests, and I just think he's like the fans' athletic director, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Yeah, like Bevo Boulevard, like the concerts, it just it looks like a like a side stage of ACL like every weekend. It's 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 pretty pretty awesome. Um, yeah, for me, I think like I I think the biggest one, you know, kind of set on top of what Jake said, it, I I see it just kind of generally just activating the fan base much more effectively. Like the Texas fan base is just just yearning for like someone to like kind of shepherd us and and like have that energy that we have and and really hone it in a in a in a direction and i think he's done a great job of that um just even just being responsive on twitter along with all the things that facilities upgrades and um you know game day experience like jake saying just kind of like the full he really he's really doing it all and then like also just navigating like i think the biggest thing that we probably haven't mentioned yet is like with the changing landscape of nil i feel like he hasn't been like super outspoken about it, but you have to know that he's like just doing a ton of stuff behind the scenes, right. Of just making sure that we are not left behind 
on like this this new era and that's like given us so that's given me so much confidence like can you imagine like if steve patterson was still like at the forefront during like this nil stuff we'd be like freaking out <laughs> like yeah well yeah so, and and you know. bowen um y- y'all i i work in in politics and so for the listeners that don't know that but last session so texas works in part-time legislature UT and a and to some extent pretty well wrote the NIL law in Texas. And this was passed in the last minutes of the legislative session back in 2021, right at the start of NIL. If Texas hadn't passed that, you know, the state of Texas would have been at a disadvantage to other states that ultimately forced the the movement with the NIL. When, when people were saying like, oh, the NCAA is going to say and say you can't do this and you can't do that. Well, Texas already had a law in place. So it didn't really matter at that point because state law is trumped in state universities than whatever the NCAA says. So they were very much working behind the scenes and he was a big part of it at the Capitol. Makes sense. Steve Patterson would have would have tried to he would want a cut from all the deals for himself for, sure. for, for the university. Ten percent ten percent goes Patterson. to Steve Patterson. He gets a tie. To the big guy. <laughs> to the big guy. He'd do he he'd do like an nil cliff. He'd be like, okay, recruit, you got to sign for at least two years. You'll get your payout in year two. You know, <laughs> like, oh, that'd be so bad. Like a a vesting schedule. Yeah, a vesting schedule exactly. Golly. <laughs> we, yeah. Anyway, Crystal Conti, great athletic director, huge upgrade from the other from the that other guy. All right, let's let's move into talking about this week's football game. So, I'll give you the 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 details first of all. We have a two thirty kickoff. It's at it's at DKR here in Austin. Um, it is on Big Fox. So Fox, the weather report. It is going to be hot and sunny. No surprise there. About one hundred and one degrees. Uh, it is at the peak heating of the day. A little bit of history from this former rivalry, actually. Um, Back in the day, this game went back and forth, and Rice had the better of Texas for many years, with Texas overall winning 74 and with 21 losses and one tie. But but since the 1960s, Texas has won 45 of the last 47 games, including my very first Texas game that I went to was against Rice. So with that, I will turn it over to Andrew or Bowen, whoever it wants to – you know, break down the game, jump on in. I can, I can take it. Um, did y'all know um, Alabama has a losing record against Rice historically? No, I did not. Yeah, one of those weird things. Uh, did they last play in the 1950s? I think 60, like, <laughs> like 62 Cotton Bowl, I think maybe. Um, so, so I always thought the JFK quote, you know, that, rice would beat texas and and all that during the the moon speech i thought that was like a huge upset but apparently rice like beat us a lot back in those days yeah i mean starting at that point was when the tide was kind of turning but um but yeah i mean it wasn't rice as a football program was not i mean even into the 50s was not bad by any means um Starting in like the sixties is kind of when they kind of fell off a cliff. But um but yeah. Um I don't know, but kind of going to this game, we're not gonna really break down rice. Um, because if we, honestly, if we don't win by a lot, 
it might be a sign of bad things to come. So um, we're just not going to kind of discuss rice that much. The only interesting thing that I have to share is that JT Daniels, um, this will be his third time playing Texas for three different schools. He played uh, with USC in 2018 uh, at DKR. He played again, or he played with West Virginia last year at DKR, and uh, he'll play with Rice this year. So um, he's had a lot of experience at DKR, and uh, I'll just say it hasn't been very good for him. But kind of um, kind of worried for him if he doesn't if he doesn't play well. I wonder if he if he transferred to Rice just to get another chance at us in Austin. Um, strange sequence there. It's his fourth team that he's played with. I think he's transferred more than any other player the in the transfer era. Yeah, he's but, uh, uh, he's been around the block for sure. So. Yeah, Sark said some interesting things in today's press conference. Andrew, what do you think of that? I mean, so yeah, it's uh, I wouldn't say anything was like super profound that he said, but. In my opinion, the vibe and like uh, that Sark was giving off during the press conference was one of full of confidence, which, I mean, to be honest, Texas has not accomplished the things. We have not reached the standard of what Texas should be under Sark yet, even though there's a lot of optimism there. So it was interesting how confident that like he is going into the season. I think there's reasons why he should be confident, but um, it was, it was just interesting to see how confident he was. Kev, what are your thoughts about it? I I was surprised by the same things as you. Um, I think the average listener might not be as shocked by some of the things that he said, but he may have had like a really strong vitamin drip before he went into that interview because he was just like gassed up. And, some of it is concerning because I'm with you there. Like we haven't yet achieved our our expectations or, you know, haven't surpassed our expectations yet. Um, but I wrote down a quote here. Um, Ed Clements asked about the high expectations for the Longhorn team. And Sark said, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. We're not a finished product yet, but it's enjoyable to know that those guys are my guys. Kind of referencing that, you know, he's had a few recruiting classes and the players have decided to play for him. And the relationships between the players and coaches are great. We've talked about that a lot. Um, and he said, and I do think we're pretty good. We'll find come, come December how good we are, but I think we're pretty good. And it's, it's very strange to hear a head college football coach at this level talking like that before we've played a snap in the regular season. It's also really weird to hear Sark take that tone after last week's press conference where he was responding to questions about our ranking in the AP poll. And he was basically like, Oh, that's cool. You know, we don't care about outside noise. We're only worried about us. And, you know, it's all about the team room and the locker room. And we really don't care about expectations or where we're at in the country. So um, I think we'll hear another completely different Sark next week before we play Alabama, because if he strikes that tone before going to Tuscaloosa, I think everyone's going to call him a little bit crazy. Yeah, that's Same. for sure. I I think I I think there will be some uh, the the tone will change a little bit next week for sure. But uh, um, isn't that what you want though? Isn't that kind of what you want? Confidence and also like, hey, I I, I see us I see my guys out on the field and they look good 
I, you know, the season will define itself. We're also not listening outside noise. It's just what I'm seeing. Like, I, I kind of like that. I like that. Confidence. You do, you do. But to say like, you know, I think we have a good football team. Like you're about to see it is, is a little bit, it's unique. And like coming from the, yeah. the Saban coaching tree, you would expect him to have learned Saban's, you know, we're just focused about today and tomorrow. Um, you know, really good team we're playing this weekend. And, and he kind of talks about the process more about the expectations. So for Sark to lean into that was um, interesting. Maybe it's just Sark being Sark and, and no one is more informed than he is. So if he's that excited, we should be like, freaking out right now <laughs> true it, 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 i think it's also just the talent the talent on this roster the excitement going into the season whether he's listening to it or not it's like you know he needs to be put up or shut up mentality because it's year three so i mean the last like, time let's do it <laughs> the last time we saw a coach says confident going into a game oh, was kirby smart uh going into the tcu game last year and it worked yeah, out well, well for them so yeah that that's that's very good point. I also <laughs> just like when coaches don't use coach speak and they just say things that they think. I don't know. I like it. Yeah. If we want um, coach speak, go listen to Jimbo. Oh gosh. Um. Yeah, Jimbo. His com- he's the worst. Press <laughs> his press conferences are interesting in a different way. Um. We'll just leave it at that. But uh, one last thing from the press conference today. What do y'all think uh, about Sark's comment? Um towards commissioner your mark i think that's how you pronounce his last name um about what he said last week at a texas tech luncheon i thought he addressed it perfectly i think the response has been mixed but he started his answer by saying that he received a letter on sportsmanship from the commissioner the day before he made that speech um to tech and he he ended his response by saying, you know, we understand like all of our all of our opponents see us as serious adversaries and Texas has a lot of hate. Like we just need to embrace that and move, move forward. So I think he, he responded with a good mix of like jabs and professionalism. What y'all think? Yeah, I, I liked it. Um, I, I agree. I think it was a great response. I just I just like the authenticity. It's, you know, we know everyone hates us. We know you know, everyone in the Big 12 is especially going to hate us this year because it's our last year in the conference. You know, we know we we know we think, or I guess we think we're going to be good. I just like that he's just being genuine and saying what he thinks. But also, speaking of the embrace the hate, I mean, he's also following the lead of his boss. Crystal Conti said we, and this is like, quote, we know we have to embrace the hate this year in an interview <laughs> last <laughs> week. So, and then there's like shirts and hats that are being made called like embrace the hate. And, you know, we're the villain, you know? Let's let's be a good villain at least. Yeah, let's let's do it. <laughs> but oh well. Um, yeah, Kev, who do you think is going to be the best player uh, for Texas this game against Rice? That's a good question. I hope it's Quinn. I hope it's Quinn. Best player. I would bet on AD Mitchell. I think and, and Sark answering questions about who he's most excited about on the team immediately listed off all of his starting wide receivers. I think based on how they're practicing and game planning, he knows that we're about to just obliterate them like with the passing game. So I would bet on 80, but I mean, there are so many answers to that question that could be equally <laughs> as right because <laughs> right. we do have a lot of weapons. It's an exciting time. What do you, what do you think? 
I was gonna say I was gonna say Ad Mitchell as well. Um, I think he'll have a big game. Um, but for the sake of being slightly different, I'll I'll say Worthy. I I can see him having kind of a bounce back game, especially based on how he played against Washington. Didn't have the best game. I can see Sark maybe trying to give him a couple deep shots or whatnot. Um, Bowen, who do you think is gonna be the best player of the game? I think we're gonna see a big game out of JT Sanders. I mean. He was kind of, I mean, I wasn't, of course, on last week's episode, but when I was listening to it back, I, I remember like one of the takeaways from when y'all were discussing the offense was like, we y'all were super excited about the whole offense, but like had neglected to mention JT Sanders because of how many folks are just here. And I think he's probably going to be carrying that into this season. He probably feels that same that same type of energy in a good way. I don't, I don't think it's negative. I, I haven't heard any of his... Um, you know, any, anything he's, you know, maybe even said about it, but I think, I think we'll see some big, big games out of him um, and big game out of him this week. I think, so I think he'll have the best game. And then I'm also taking another stab at this question in a different way of like who needs to have a big game. And, you know, you could argue like, this is rice. I mean, it's, we really shouldn't be like that, like important, but I feel like Alfred Collins to me, from my perspective, like his name has just been constantly, from my perspective, I know y'all are like much more in the weeds too, but from my from my level, like it's always like this hype cycle with Alfred Collins. It's like, oh yeah, he's he's crushing it, he's gonna be great. And then I just don't really see that much. So um I would really like to see him um get a good 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 get a good start to the season um with a strong showing at Rice. That's great. Okay, last question in this segment. Where are each of you gonna be watching the game this Saturday? Let's start with Andrew. Uh, somewhere with AC because I'm not a sicko and I don't want a heat stroke. So, Jake. Boo. Boo. <laughs> Jake, are you a sicko? Uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to be back in DKR. I've been looking forward to this day for a long time. I don't care if it's rice. I, I especially happy that it's rice. So going to start the, get, start the day with a, a brunch somewhere in Austin. Then gonna get to the get over see Pat Green and you know sing some wave on wave for a little while, head o- head over to the game. I'll have a ice cold bevy in my hand, sweat dripping down the front and back of my dry fit polo, and uh, you know nerve levels. They're gonna be at a, a solid zero point zero heart rate, total rest mode because we're gonna embarrass those those hoot hoots from Houston. Hoping, hoping for both of us that your BAC is not also zero point zero. I don't think it will be. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit jealous, but but it is my tradition to to do this weekend, kicking off the hunting season. So, I more than likely will not be watching this game. I'll be listening to it um, while shooting some doves next to the truck. So I'll probably blare the blare the radio call um, and take it in with my dad. I typically rewatch this game on Sunday morning. Um, and, you know, before I go to sleep Saturday night, watch all the highlights. So it's not like I'll be missing out on it totally, but it's pretty rare that I actually watch a game on, on Labor Day. Yeah, for, um, that'll, that'll be a ton of fun, Kev. I, for me, uh, this is the weekend that um, the dads or the grandparents are coming in town. So my mom's been staying with us and Emily's mom is in Austin. So the grandmas have seen uh, Theo and, you know, the baby. 
but um the dads have been um chomping at the bit to come into town to 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 see their grandchild their first grandchild so we're gonna have we're gonna have them over um probably uh make some food and, and watch the game um in the ac as well um so that'll be that'll be fun do you have a, a game day fit for theo yet we got something burnt orange. We haven't gotten like any Texas um, apparel yet because we haven't made it to the co-op. Um, but we have something burnt orange that I think we'll we'll do for the for the rice game. I'll have to figure something out before the Bama game because we'll need we'll need good energy for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, I can't wait to see the little man in the in the burnt orange. So share the pics. All right, that wraps up the pregame preview for this weekend's game. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we will dive into the betting corner. This Football on the 40 episode is brought to you by Hospitology. Hospitology is a weekly newsletter written by fellow Longhorn Blake Madden. It covers interesting, not boring stories at the intersection of business and healthcare. Like why Amazon bought One Medical, and interesting health tech startups paving the way for the future of healthcare. If you want to get smarter on the crazy world of healthcare, subscribe to Hospitology today at workweek.com forward slash brand forward slash hospitology. All right, and we're back with another segment of Betting Corner. So I missed the guys last week, um, but it was another another great segment. Looking forward to another great year uh, of Betting Corner. Um to see some solid returns and excited to get into this week's slate of games. Um, but before we jump into um, what the guys are, are seeing this week and on the, on the betting, on the betting markets, uh, we do have a special announcement um, from one Andrew Harris regarding last week's activities. So Andrew, uh, I'll pass it to you. Uh, take it away. Thank you, Bo. Um, I prepared a statement about my 11 like parlay that I made last week. And um uh... I would just like to read it out to y'all right now. I'm delighted to be here. I'm particularly delighted to be here on this occasion. I set sail on this new sea because there's new knowledge to be gained and new rights to be won, and they must be won and used for the progress of all people, for betting science like nuclear science and, and all technology has no conscience of its own. I do not say that I should or will go unprotected against a hostile misuse of parlays any more than I, that I go unprotected against a hostile use of choosing the under for every Iowa game. But I do say that parlays can be explored and mastered without feeding the fires of war. There's no strife, no prejudice, no national conflict in 11-leg 11, in 11 parlays as yet. But why, some say, this parlay? Why choose this as my goal? And they may as well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why 96 years ago fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? I chose the 11 leg parlay. I chose this uh, to utilize this parlay this season and do other bets, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. That goal will serve to organize and measure the best of my energies and skills because the challenge is one that I am willing to accept one that I'm unwillingly um, unwillingly um, going to postpone and one which I intend to win and the others too. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> President 
Andrew Harris. Harris ticket 2024. <laughs> was was that the JFK speech? Because talking like that might get you assassinated, Andrew. Ooh. Oh, gosh. Oh, <laughs> oh, man. Well, there goes our sponsor for this wow. week. Wow. Uh, we're, we're, demo- we're demonetized for sure now. Yeah, that's not going to do good for the algorithm. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Wow. Well, wow. Well, Andy, um, thank you for that for that rousing speech. I feel very uh feel very, very patriotic, very, very in tune with with your with your betting betting philosophy. We'll see we'll see how it plays out. I think um yeah, you know, who knows? Towards the end of the season, when it's coming down to the wire like it was last season, maybe this eleven leg parlay will just be the thing that takes you over. So we might be we might be the the ones we might be on the other, the laughing end of the. It's it's gonna be fun to watch because it's like, so many of them he didn't really go out on a limb on 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 things, and they're gonna happen. And then even the ones that he loses on, or the one that he ends up losing on, isn't gonna happen until week ten or week eleven or week twelve. So this is gonna be something that goes on <laughs> the whole season. <laughs> yeah. I will I will issue a public apology if it does not happen, but I expect one in return when it does happen. <laughs> I'm not gonna apologize. You're gonna get your returns for making. No, I I expect an apology. (laughs) All right, let's let's get into let's get into this week's game. So yeah, as covered previously, Texas is playing Rice at DKR. Texas is currently 35 point favorites, and the over under is 58 and a half. So something I I alluded to earlier with the uh, play clock changes, um, that line is is pretty low um i don't think we saw a single game last year that was in the 50s maybe one or two but most most of them in in the mid 60s high 60s um so yeah definitely starting to see vegas adjust a little bit but um probably still some some money to be made on on either side if if you're if you are feeling one way or the other um but yeah let's go into this texas game um and then We'll just take we'll just take one Texas or a few Texas bets that you guys have, and then maybe one or two other bets around the league um, that y'all are seeing that y'all want to highlight. Um, and as covered last week, the guys have more bets that they've covered. We're just not going to cover every single one of them in the episode. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll still have the running total like like we did last year. Um, and also, I I should I forgot to mention maybe conveniently, last week I was the only one that took a week zero bet. And USC did not deliver. So yours truly is currently in last place in betting corner 2023 right now. Um, you know, got to give the guys a head start, even though I didn't win. I was, I was pretty, I had a pretty good showing last season. So um, yeah, we're just going to, we're just going to bounce back this week. Um, so Kevin, Bowen, we'll start this, with you. Bowen, oh, go ahead, this Jake. is the, this is the first time you've ever been in last place. I think that's, I in think that seasons. that's true. I think that that's true, actually. Yeah. So hopefully I don't. Hopefully I don't make it a habit. Maybe this this wow. fatherhood thing. I'm not really I'm not seeing the numbers as well. I don't know. I'm not not really spending as much time with him as I should. But uh, yeah. Who knows? We'll see. I've had a lot of experience in that four slots. So let me know if you need any advice. <laughs> we'll do. We'll do for sure. Okay. All right. Like yeah. So guys, let's get into this Texas game. Um, are you guys liking anything there, Kevin? Let's start with you. Um, do you have anything on the Texas game? I don't. I thought about taking the under and then uh, weighed that with Sark's confidence and decided not to bet on this game. Gotcha. Okay, cool. All good. Uh, Jake, what about you? Yeah, I I like 
the 35 point line. So um, I, I I think that I don't, they're not going to go higher than that very often, but I do think that um, Texas is going to have a, a massive game and I think defense is going to show up too. So Vegas is effectively predicting a 49 to 10 Texas win. So I don't, I don't really like the over under cause I don't really want to go over that. That's, that seems like a reasonable, really good outcome, 49-10. But I do think um I, I do think that the over um the oh or sorry, not the over, the uh, the cover is there. So I'm gonna give five units for Texas to cover 35 points against Rice this weekend. Take it to the bank. Nice. <laughs> wow. Hook them. That's big. big That's bad. a little risky. I like that. Week one. Big I line. Like it too. I like it yeah. too. I'm 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 doing four units on on us covering the spread as well. So pretty pretty significant investment there as well. Um, definitely definitely feeling the same as Jake. Uh, Andy, what about you on Texas? Uh, yeah, I got. Even though Bo said it was, it's definitely lower than last season, um, I'm going to take the under um, for Texas. I I think we'll win pretty easily. I don't think Rice is really going to put up much offense but i think when they do have the ball they're going to run the ball quite a bit which is going to be i think that'll play into the hands of going with the under so give me the under for two units okay okay nice i like it okay all right so then let's look elsewhere around the the league um or elsewhere around um the rest of the games for week one what are one or two games that y'all are looking at, Kevin? Um, we'll start with you that you want to highlight for our listeners. Yeah, big game this weekend is LSU playing Florida State. I'm taking two units on Florida State money line. Um, also, I think one that's going to be very interesting to watch is Colorado takes on TCU. Colorado is like a, like a 20-point dog, so I'm taking two units on them to cover. Um, and then – after last week's, you know, analytics on the under, I had to do at least one. So um, I'm taking two units on the under in the OU game, and we'll just we'll see how it goes. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'll I'll go next. I have a thurs some Thursday action. So when y'all listen to this episode, this will already have happened. But um, I so Matt Rule is the new head coach at Nebraska. And something about Matt Rule's tenure is he's been known for turning programs around, but his first year at Temple and his first year at Baylor, he won one game. So I don't think this is going to be the year at Nebraska for him. I think there's a lot to rebuild there. Um, and so there's a lot of hype with him coming into Nebraska um, with his history. It ain't going to be this year. The Minnesota Golden Gophers are going to be there. They're going to be ready on Thursday. It's in Minnesota. I want two units on Minnesota to cover the seven point line row the boat pj fleck and then one <laughs> other one <laughs> one other um I, I gotta have a parlay I, I you know can't just let andy have all the parlay fun so my other my one other bet that i wanted to mention is just um utah money line minnesota money line texas cover utsa cover and texas tech cover for one unit Ooh. Wow, I have that's... already talked about Texas and UTSA and Tech last week about how high I am on all of them. I think Florida's not very good and Utah's going to be great. So there you go. That's that's going to be – did you put that in the – It's about an like 11 and a half units. I was going to say it's going to be like a 12 to 1. I had 12 to 1 in my head. Wow. Dang. 
I like it. I like it. Hey, good good payout. Parlays. Hey, parlays worked for Jake last year, so it was it was a it was a twelve unit parlay win that knocked me uh, from fourth to first last year. Yeah, yeah, nice. I have uh, I have two two nuggies on Houston to win that game, so that's another opportunity for me to separate myself from Jake and really take hold of this season of betting corner. Look out for that. (laughs) Nice. Um, Okay, Andy, what about you? Um, you want to highlight a couple of them for the listeners? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the theme for the season for me is the W Club. And that some of y'all might be thinking the winning club. And, you know, there will be a lot of wins with this. But, no, it's actually two U's in there. So it's going to be unders and upsets. That's going to be the theme <laughs> for the season. <laughs> That's clever. Um, nice. So, yeah, I'm going to go two units on the under for uh, LSU and Florida State. I think um, I definitely think it will be a great game, and I just don't see them getting up to 58 points combined. Um, So I'm going to go two units on the under for that one. And then one upset that I'm keeping my eye on is North Texas over Cal. Cal has to travel to North Texas, so they have to travel to Denton. And I just don't think they're going to be very good this year. So if a group of five team is going to be the power five team this weekend, I think that's a game to watch. So two units on that one. Bo, take us home. Nice. Yeah, I don't have too much to highlight. I think, like, it will be interesting, like Kevin said, uh, at the end of this week, because I have, like, other sides of, of certain bets that Kevin has and other sides of bets that Jake has with, like, TCU, LSU, Etc. So we'll see how we'll see how those play out. I think the one thing I will highlight is the um, was called out last week's episode too, but the look ahead line for Texas and Bama was already uh, released, and it, right now it, it was Texas covering six and a half against Bama. So I just took one unit on that, um, just to just to get some just to get some investment dollars in, um, and then you know we'll see we'll see how that line shifts based on based on this week's games. Um, but yeah, we're already we're already looking ahead to week two all the gains to to be had there so yeah excited to see i'll get i'll make sure to get these bets in fellas um hopefully listeners by the time y'all listen to this you'll have time to place these bets in you know historically for new listeners betting corner is a pretty lucrative investment it is you know jake and i were both we both beat the s&p 500 last year Kevin, you know, if you if you took us like as an you know as an as an ETF or like you know kind of like did a blended investment strategy with the four of us, I think that was a good strategy. If you went if you went solo, Kevin, that was you know you could have had a better time, but you know that that's you know you kind of live and learn. So we're 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 looking forward to another another successful year um, in betting corner this year. All right, so that takes us into um, one of the last segments that we have uh, mailbags. So. This is something that we started last season. We had a lot of fun with it. We love listening. We love hearing what what you listeners are are wanting to hear from us. We're happy to provide any perspectives on questions you guys have, um, anything you guys want to learn about us, or you know anything to weigh in on any uh, life situations that y'all might have. You know anything and everything is is fair game. So we have a few mailbags from from listeners already submitted for this week, and so I'll go through them. So the first one is from Micah. Micah says negative corner with Kev. With the history of dropping winnable games, what unexpected Big 12 team could beat the Horns this year? I'm worried about the latter-day brethren in Provo. I me, I as well, Micah. I as well. Uh, also, Tech has to be overrated this year, question mark. 
So, Kev, what do you think about uh, Micah's questions there? Utah's not going to be a concern. Well, not Utah, BYU. I think Tech is a, a real threat, but the purple teams, like we did we did picks for the season last week, and I thought we were going to struggle against TCU and K-State, and I stand by that. Um, K-State is, you know, the reigning Big 12 champion, so uh, I think that's an easy an easy answer there, the purple teams. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, okay, so this next question is from Hans. Hans says, there is serious optimism about Texas football, as there should be. But the last two years, we have blown six double digits leads, most in college football, and we are 4-10 and ten in one-possession games. I'd argue Texas had more talent in all but one or two of these games, so talent wasn't the issue. How do y'all think Texas approaches this season differently to close out these games and win the games we should win? Wow. What that that is that is a serious question, Hans. Um, <laughs> one that I am not I do not feel equipped to answer. So I might pass the baton. Andy, do you wanna do you wanna take a crack at this one? Yeah, sure. I mean you'll I don't know. You don't know for sure. Um and there's a lot of hype going into the season. There's a I think the talent that we have exceeds what we've had before. I know you mentioned that that it was talent wasn't the issue with other teams, but I think the amount of talent we have now compared to the our teams the last two years um is so much more that I think that will give us even more of a boost. Um but Sark mentioned today that um he his favorite thing about the team is how we are a team. And he hasn't really said that before. Um, I mean, he said that other times this offseason, but he didn't really say that about the other two teams. Um, so I think in his mind, this team is becoming more like his team. So um, that's exciting. And if that's truly the case, now we'll win his ball games. But if that's not, then it's going to be a repeat of the last couple of years. Just quickly, I think it's coaching because like, like the comment says, the talent is clearly slanted in our favor. Um, Sark is, is really good at scripting plays for the first quarter. And uh, last season and season prior, not so good at making adjustments at the half and during the game to continue to give our team an on-field advantage. So I think it's a, a coaching problem. And uh, hopefully, you know, another year under their belts, they know each other better, communicating better and are more willing to challenge each other during games. But um, I think I think that one's on the coaching staff. Nice. Nice. I like it. Okay, last last mailbag question. Um, this one's a few of them, so maybe we'll go lightning round. Um, from Andrew Lamb. Andrew says, what's more likely, Sark to make the CFP playoff or Sonny Dykes as UT coach? Question two top draft pick on UT going into this season? Who do we think will be will be the top pick? And then the third question he has is, what's the biggest trap game of 2023? Um, so Jake, why don't we why don't we start with you? Um, yeah, take a stab I'll, at any of those three questions. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna just we're going to the playoff this year. So Sonny who? Yeah, he, he ain't gonna do nothing at TCU this year. He, he's gonna he's gonna win like, you know, probably eight, eight, eight games and lose four this year. So TCU's going eight and four. Maybe maybe they get one. Maybe they get us, and we go eleven and one with a loss to TCU. But Sunny Dykes isn't coming anywhere near Austin. And we're going to the playoff. 
<laughs> what was it? What was the next one, Bo? Was it top? The next draft one was pick? who do y'all think will be the top draft pick? Yeah. So if it, if Mel Kiper was making a board right now, like who, who's who's the top pick right now? I think Quinn. I, um, I was thinking. I was thinking Xavier Worthy. I think. I think it's Xavier Worthy. Um, but it's it's basically a coin flip between those two. Yeah. Nice. Okay. And then uh, we'll close it out with the biggest trap game, twenty twenty three. I guess this is kind of what we alluded to last in last week's episode. But um, I guess collectively, can we all agree on on one one trap game? I like what Kev said about the purple teams. Purple I think teams probably shared shared uh, sentiment with 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 the four of us on, on on those as well. Are those trap games though? Because isn't a trap game like you're kind of overlooking that opponent? Yeah, I was about to say that, Kev. Like mm, that, that's fair. I think TCU will be up for that game. Same thing for Kansas State. Um, I I mean Iowa State. What I said last week, I think that would be the definition of a trap game. This trouble with that one is that they might not have a team, so. <laughs> you can't really have a trap game if you're not playing against another team. So we'll see. I, I think it's Tech the last week of the season, but mm-hmm. I also think Tech's going to be good this year. So I don't know if that's a trap game either under those definitions. This is a very uh, subtle slash overt dig, but it's the OU game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a crapshoot every every year, huh? Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, listeners, thanks for thanks for those mailbag questions. Keep them coming in. Um, we'll have the link in our bio, um, but you can also just reach out to us individually. Um, we're happy to take any questions in any form. So, thanks thanks for all the questions this week. Awesome. Thank you, Bo, for for that, and thank you, listeners. All right. One last quick segment. No explanations here. We've had plenty of time to do that on this episode, but let's just do a quick lightning round of predictions. What is the score and who is winning the game against Rice this Saturday? Andrew. 52-3 Texas. Ooh. Bowen. I said I, I had 52-10 in my head, Texas. All right, Kevin. I'm going 50 to 10. Nice. All right. It's 63-7. We're getting in the 60s, y'all. Ooh. So Oh my gosh. So there we go. 63-7. Take it to the bank. And that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. We will be back each and every week during the football season. And next week, make sure you come back for our preview of the Texas-Alabama game and a quick recap of this Rice game as well. But that does it for this week. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you on the next Football on the 40. Welcome.